0: Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Rob Smith, and Black Lives Matter is problematic. I'm Rob Smith, and Black Lives Matter is problematic. Black Lives Matter The organization, the movement, is one of those things that has exploded so much in the past, I would say, six to eight months that it seems like it's something that has always been around and and it has not always been around. It's a fairly recent movement. The hashtag started about seven years ago, but it has come into such a part of the public view and the public lexicon and what we speak about in politics and culture and everything over the past couple of months because of the riots that came as a result of the George Floyd death. And before I get into why Black Lives Matter is problematic, and it is problematic in so many different ways, I'm going to tell you a little story about how I came to realize how deeply problematic Black Lives Matter really is and how it has the trappings of a cult. I had a best friend And I say that in the past tense because that best friend of 15 years no longer exists anymore. He dumped me as a friend because I didn't feel the appropriate way about Black Lives Matter. This is somebody that was my best man at my wedding. This is somebody that has known me through so many different phases of my life. We've had so many amazing experiences and conversations together. This is somebody that I thought I'd be having cocktails with on a beach in Spain somewhere when I was like 75 years old. That's how close we were. In my mind, this was my brother. The George Floyd death happened. Murder, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, the man was murdered. That, that's a fact. He was murdered. So that happened. And all of a sudden, like clockwork, the media manipulation machine goes to work. People are angry. People are outraged. And what people don't realize about the George Floyd death, that moment, and a lot of this gets lost right now, is that there was a moment when we all saw the footage of that officer's knee on George Floyd's neck, where we were all together. We said that this is absurd and ridiculous and indefensible. This was universal. This was the right. This was the left. This was the big dogs on cable news. This was everybody on social media. We all knew that this was indefensible. Somehow that rare moment of unity as Americans got lost, and of course all the riots and the protesting and and the death and the destruction and all of that stuff came up as a result of this. I'm a pretty media savvy guy. My undergrad is in advertising from Syracuse University. My master's is in journalism from Columbia University. I work in media. I do this. I am very sensitive, and I'm very perceptive of the ways in which media is used to manipulate us all. And so in that moment, those riots and those protests were used by a lot of people in media to manipulate us, to completely tear down that one moment of togetherness we had. So what does that have to do with the dissolution of my 15-year my friendship? I saw this, and I talked about this with my friend every night while we were going through this as a country, while we were watching this stuff unfold. And I became very critical of this because these people are protesting for Black lives. They say Black lives matter. They are protesting, but they are also looting. They are also rioting. They are also being violent. They are also destroying Black communities. They are also destroying businesses that were created by Black Americans. Apparently, the lives of those Black small business owners did not matter or do not matter. And I became very critical of this entire movement with my friend. And I guess he just didn't like that. And my friend, my ex best friend, is a very, very, very smart guy. One of the particular strains on the left, and my friend is a leftist to the core, is that they place a lot of value in degrees. This person has degrees. He still never really did anything with those degrees. And I think one of the reasons why is that he had internalized this idea that the world was out to get him. See, this is what they like to tell black Americans to control us. The world is out to get you. These police officers are out to kill you. People, racist white people in their terms, this is what they want to say. Racist white people are there to destroy any opportunity for success you could ever have in life. So you may as well not even try. He had internalized these things because there is no reason that somebody this smart could have been at a point in his life where he had accomplished next to nothing. But he was still my friend. And I still engage in all of this stuff with him and I let him know my real, true, honest, unfiltered thoughts about Black Lives Matter, about these people protesting, about the culture behind it, about everything. I I was open to him in the way that you would be open to your best friend. Apparently, to him, I was being too open about my criticism to Black Lives Matter because in his mind, this movement or this organization – started to define the entire way that he saw the world as a Black person. And this victimhood mindset that is pushed on Black Americans by the left, it is internalized in a lot of different ways. But I don't know if there's ever been such a massively internationally known organization that has been so adept at putting these messages into the minds Of African Americans as Black Lives Matter. And this is sad because, as we know, Black Lives Matter only cares about Black people who were shot by white cops. The only way Black Lives Matter would ever care about my ex-best friend is if he was shot by a white cop. And that was a part of the criticism that I had. What I saw and what I see to this day is a lot of people making a lot of money representing an organization, a movement, whatever you want to call it. And they're exploiting the pain of these people that are taking to the streets, screaming, protesting, being violent, destroying their own communities, destroying each other. It's deeply cynical. But this is what they were doing. And you know this is what they were doing, because nobody that was in support of Black Lives Matter ever had anything to say about the Black people whose lives were lost in these riots, people like David Dorn, you probably heard his name before. He was the, um I believe he was a retired police officer that was pulling security that was murdered by rioters and looters in and around the, the St. Louis area. I came back from having lunch to a text message from my best friend of 15 years that said, I've been thinking this for a while, but I don't think that we should talk anymore. I wish you all the best. Before I could respond, I was blocked. And before I could go to any other social media networks, I was blocked on all of those as well. So in his mind, I was somehow rejecting my own blackness because I was highly critical of this organization called Black Lives Matter. And the scariest thing about this and the most dangerous thing about this is that this organization has come to define Blackness for so many people. And when I say define Blackness, and we talk a lot about not letting immutable characteristics completely define the way you see the world, but it is a true thing that me being an African American, me being Black, does color the way that I see the world. It colors the experiences that I have with people. And for whatever reason, these people have decided to allow Black Lives Matter, the organization, to define their blackness. So you are not black, or you are not, in their words, authentically black, or you are not what a black person should be if you are highly critical of this organization and their methods. And that was why my best friend decided to end our friendship via text. Think about that for a second. And I talk a lot about the messages in Facebook messages, Instagram messages, email, all of these things that I get from people that have told me that politics have destroyed their relationships. They, they've destroyed their marriages. They've destroyed their relationships with family. They destroyed their relationships with all of their friends. I've told you all that I lost so many friends when I came out as conservative, quote unquote friends, because those weren't real friends. But this was a real friend, at least I thought. And for him to so cavalierly drop what was a 15-year friendship fundamentally underlined to me that Black Lives Matter as an organization has the trappings of a cult. And I will tell you why when we get back. When I say that Black Lives Matter the organization, and the movement has the trappings of a cult, this is what I mean. Like I said, it has now established itself as the prism through which Blacks in America view ourselves, in essence, attempting to define us, in essence, saying that if you are a Black American and you are not completely on board with every single thing that is done or said to advocate for this organization, then you are not Black or you are not Black enough or you hate yourself or you're self hating. You're all of these different things that they say to Black Americans who get out of line, who don't toe the liberal line, or in this case, the leftist line. And I have a problem with that because they're should be no organization, no movement, whatever you want to call it, that has that much power over any group of people. We would never see an organization that was uh, allegedly for white Americans or advocating for white people or whatever, that would attempt to take away people's rights to individuality, to take away their autonomy, And that is what Black Lives Matter is doing. That is why it has become so culty. We've gotten to the point where athletes are questioned for not kneeling during the national anthem. Let me say that again athletes are questioned because they did not kneel for the national anthem. They are questioned because they decided to stand up for the national anthem. And we have the Black liberal race hustlers on the left who have now decided that they're going to be running PR for Black Lives Matter, the organization. And so they have anointed themselves and they have placed themselves as judge, jury, and executioner to get the blacks in line who aren't on board with the agenda. Look at what they did to Terry Cruz. They drug him all around the internet for saying that he didn't necessarily agree with everything that BLM, the organization said. This is cult stuff. This is culty. It's not right. And To this point, Black Lives Matter only seems to care about Black people killed by white police officers. Just like I talk about my friend. Like I said, Black Lives Matter would not care about him unless he was killed by a white police officer. In my hometown, Akron, Ohio, there was a young lady named Nakia Crawford that was shot and killed. It was an awful story. Awful story. At the very beginning of this, there was a white man that was a quote-unquote person of interest. And this story spread all around the internet, even LeBron James, who was also from Akron, Ohio. He tweeted about it. He said, justice for Nakia Crawford. It turned out that that white man that was a person of interest that was photographed was trying to help Nakia Crawford. Nakia Crawford was killed by three black teenagers. And when that news came out, that three black teenagers were the persons of interest, in her horrific death. All of that stuff went away. There were no hashtags. There were no multimillionaire celebrities talking about justice for Nakia Crawford. She was just another Black person that was lost to violence at the hands of other Black people. Black Lives Matter doesn't care about the Nakia Crawfords of the world. They only care about Black people killed by white police officers because that helps them further what I think is a very divisive agenda right now. They certainly don't care about the small business owners whose stores and restaurants and everything like that were destroyed by rioters and and looters. They don't care about them. I went to Minneapolis, Minnesota, just a couple of weeks after the riots had subsided. I did a GoFundMe campaign. We raised $125,000 to help benefit the small businesses in Minneapolis. I'm going to go deliver that sometime within the next month or so but i saw the destruction that these riots wrought i saw a bombed out burned down auto zone i saw a target that was completely destroyed i saw an entire strip that looked like, it looked like a, it looked like i was in iraq I, and i have been to iraq i have been to war i felt like i was in a war zone and i talked with a young lady from the neighborhood, black girl. And she said, this is so sad because this strip was just now starting to become a place where people go. Everybody was here, she told me. She said black people were here, white people were here. It was a community area. It was just something nice to have in the neighborhood. Everybody has that little downtown place with the shops and the restaurants and the targets and, and all that stuff. It's a nice thing to have. But all that stuff is gone. And that street will never look the same. And Black Lives Matter doesn't care about that. In their minds, this is just property, and it can be replaced. But they don't care about this destruction because it helps to achieve their political goals. And that's what's so destructive about all this. And then you think about the political agenda that's behind Black Lives Matter, because this is the new race hustle. This is a race hustle that the Al Sharptons of the world couldn't have even dreamed of. Al Sharpton could not have dreamed of a better race hustle than this. This organization has built a war chest of well over a billion dollars at this point, I think it was Bank of America decided that they were gonna, they donated $1 billion to the Black Lives Matter organization, and McDonald's is donating, and all of these, I mean, you're, we're talking in the billions here. And it's so cynical because their modus operandi is that they are going to cynically exploit Black pain to benefit the organization. And I've seen this with my own two eyes in my city where I'm at right now. The Black Lives Matter protests are still going on. They're getting smaller and whiter every single day, which is weird, but but they're still happening. And there was one protest that happened. They were marching up, you know, down the down the street where everybody's eating outside and and just, you know, enjoying everything. And they just got into very confrontational screaming matches with with people. And there was this, this black girl, and I can't forget the image. This girl was so distraught and so troubled. She was screaming at people. And then afterwards, when that situation had gotten broken up, I just watched her go to a corner. And she's screaming and sobbing. And I'm looking at this. And I am thinking that this girl's, whatever pain that she's feeling is valid. And I'm not discounting that. I'm not discounting that at all. But it is being exploited by an organization and movement that really doesn't care about her. And that was what really struck me about how cynical this is. And like I said, this this is race hustling, guys. Whenever you see an actor or an actress or a media personality or Don Lemon, whenever you see any of these people that are basically running cover for Black Lives Matter, and they're trying to explain this is what Black Lives Matter is all about. This is a part of, this is just a new race hustle. And the this, this most destructive thing about it is, is not only that this is trying to define African Americans, and to a lot of people, it is defining them, but also it is completely ignoring so many different things. Not only is it ignoring those small business owners that I told you about, not only is it ignoring so many different things, not even to mention abortion, not even to to mention the millions of Black babies that are are lost every year due to abortion, that are killed every year because the left has succeeded in presenting the idea and branding the idea of abortion as self-care to Black women. And that's probably a conversation for somebody other than me to really go in depth with. But also, it's ignoring the violence that we see every single day, not only in Chicago. Talking about violence in Chicago is almost, it's almost stereotypical at this point, because we all see it, and it's all awful, and nobody knows what to do about it. But the Black Lives Matter organization completely ignores that violence in Chicago. They completely ignore all of the violence that is going on in the inner cities all across the country. And why do they do it? So, and, I, and I'm going to tell you why. This is what I believe. This is why a lot of the black race hustlers on the left ignore all of this stuff because it doesn't fit their agenda. Because the easiest thing in the world, or let me tell you guys, I'd make 20 times what I make right now if I was just out there saying that every problem that black people have in the world is because of white racism. And every problem that we have right now is directly linked to slavery. And that white people who challenge me need to check their privilege and shut up. Oh, I'd, I'd be making 20 times what I'm making right now. I'd be, I don't know, in red carpets in Hollywood. I don't know, probably be in a Beyonce video. But there's this idea that you can't air out our dirty laundry in front of company. Because if we say it, then some white people may hear it. And if those white people hear it, then they're going to use that stuff to discredit us. And my news to anybody that would say that is that these white people are already seeing it every single day with their own two eyes. So why can we not say this as Black people? Why can we not talk about the Nakia Crawfords of the world that are lost to violence at the hands of people who look like her? Why can't we talk about the violence in Chicago? Why can't we talk about these cultural issues One of the main problems with Black Lives Matter is that they do not air out that dirty laundry. And the organization continues to exist in this realm that every single problem that Black people have in society is based on white racism. And that the only lives that are important to them are the Black lives that were lost due to a white police officer killing them. But even after all of this stuff, even after all of these problems that I have with Black Lives Matter, and they are so many that we could, I mean, this could be a 10-part series. We have to accept the fact that Black Lives Matter as a movement and organization is going to be around for a very long time. It will outlive us all. So how do we fix the organization? How do we push them to make choices that are beneficial to Black Americans? How do we influence black lives matter to actually help black americans i'll tell you how after the break we are not going to exist in fiction black americans have been through some shit everybody knows it we talk about the institution of slavery we talk about jim crow laws we talk about redlining all of that other stuff i have never once denied the existence Of this structural institutional racism. I've never denied that for a second, and it may even be problematic to some of you that I'm saying that, but it is what it is. The question is now, you have this organization, Black Lives Matter, that has somehow, in a very small amount of time, managed to become massively powerful and to almost define Black people in such a way to where They are told, we are told, that we are not really black if we criticize it. So Black Lives Matter is not going anywhere. You're not going to destroy it? It'll outlive us all. So what can we do to forcefully critique the organization so that at some point they can actually start doing some good for black America? I have a couple ideas. If Black Lives Matter wants to truly empower black people, first of all, They have to start having those kitchen table conversations. We have to start speaking about these issues and airing this dirty laundry out in front of company. We have to, as Black Americans. There's no other way around it because you know what? Pretending that the legacy of racism and slavery and all of that stuff was the the number one issue, that's where we got to this point right now, where we have people killing each other in the inner, inner cities, where we have... The Nakia Crawfords of the world having their lives tragically cut short. So, when we air that dirty laundry out, we address things like how important the family structure is. When you look on the Black Lives Matter organization website, it's some gobbledygook about dismantling the patriarchal nuclear family structure, and we want to have a village of people create. And, like, I don't know what that is. I don't care. For most people, it doesn't matter. It's a bunch of gobbledygook, it's just crap. That's not going to help empower the lives of anybody. Maybe if they get some commune somewhere and they can put all that stuff in motion, like maybe that'll help. But as of right now, people need real solutions. They don't need some PhD in African-American studies, you know, uh, word soup about how everybody needs to be communal. And we need to dis- dismantle the patriarchal structure and the nuclear family that is created. doesn't matter. It doesn't help anybody. What helps people? Strong family structures two-parent households help people. By every conceivable metric, people that were raised in two-parent households in which the father and mother are married and are together outperform people who are not raised in structures like that. That is the truth. That is reality. And we have known this for decades. Larry Elder has probably been talking about this since before I was born. So in order for Black Lives Matter to make any real positive difference in the lives of African Americans, it's not going to be through pretending that that structure is somehow wrong and that the two-parent family structure needs to be torn down to create something new that they don't even know what it is yet. So it would address that in a way that was valid and relevant to the lives that people are living right now. You guys all know, everybody knows that there is a culture problem in black America. Everybody knows it, but nobody wants to talk about it. So talk about it. Have the conversation, have the kitchen table talk. Engage some black conservatives. Engage people that are willing to take the hits and have those conversations and figure out how we can use that to build. Second, if you're gonna talk about systemic issues in policing, which we're all aware exist, This is to the point where it's not even a left or right conversation right now. It is just a thing that we all know is there. So how do you fix it? And you fix that by having specific policy goals that you want to achieve. And by the way, defund the police is not a specific policy goal. That would actually hurt Black Americans far more than it would help us. Look at Minneapolis. We just talked a lot about Minneapolis. We talked about the riots and all that stuff. And this idea that you're going to defund the police, somebody brought this up to the Minneapolis City Council president. And people were basically saying, hey, if we defund the police, it's going to make this community less safe. It's going to make it more dangerous. And this is what happens. Because when there are less police in communities that are primarily African-American and primarily lower income, we all know the crime rate goes up. It has You have seen it time and time and time and time again. But when you bring this up to the Minneapolis City Council president, she says that this I, this fear of dismantling police, quote, comes from a place of privilege. You see, when you're worried about the lives of actual Black Americans, you're coming from a place of privilege. So, The conversation about dismantling the police or defunding the police, it's not a real conversation. In fact, I am of the belief that if you have more black cops, it's going to be better for the neighborhood. I think that it is important that neighborhoods be policed by people who look like them, especially when in the case of Seattle. So 70% of Seattle's police force is white. These are the people that Black Lives Matter is going to tell you they are white supremacists, they're racist, they're hunting down Black Americans, whatever. But yet, when you defund the police in the Seattle example, this is according to the Seattle PD. Now, they are talking about cutting Seattle's police department budget by 50%. Seattle chief of police, Carmen Best, Black woman, said that The department's newest, most broadly diverse officers on patrol will be the first employees they are forced to terminate under the proposed budget cuts. That means 43% less black officers, 65% less Hispanic Latino officers, 90% less mixed race officers. And This is coming from Seattle because they've done the numbers. So... If Black Lives Matter wants to have a real conversation with systemic issues and policing with specific policy goals, it doesn't start with this whole defund the police movement. It doesn't make any sense. It is unserious, which again leads me to the cynicism, which is why I criticize Black Lives Matter so much because it's an unserious idea. They know it's an unserious idea. And so it's cynical that they're going to push that idea to these communities, which, by the way, are going to be more at risk with less police officers. And lastly, finally, if you really want to empower Black Americans, why do none of these organizations and the race hustlers on the left, why do none of these people ever talk about entrepreneurship? They never talk about building. They say, they talk about capitalism as if it's a dirty word, as if black Americans do not benefit from capitalism, as if we don't have more black millionaires in America than at any time ever in American history, as if one of the richest people on the planet isn't a black woman, Oprah Winfrey. So these conversations about entrepreneurship and about building in that way never happened because... The movement is so thick with leftism and leftists don't like capitalism. They are socialists, okay? But the best way to empower Black Americans, and any American, by the way, is via capitalism. It's via teaching people entrepreneurship, teaching people how to build businesses. And I mean, that's what some of the, the people were trying to do before the Black Lives Matter rioters destroyed their businesses and destroyed their property. But... I do not believe that you can have any movement that is truly about empowering black Americans where entrepreneurship is not a part of the conversation. Like I said, Black Lives Matter is problematic. It will continue to be problematic and it will probably be problematic until the end of time because like I said, Black Lives Matter, the organization will outlive us all. And maybe it's problematic to you that instead of sitting here and bashing BLM for 45 minutes, although I did, I did do it for a good 25 minutes, I counted, it was fun. I'm thinking about ways to fix and elevate something that is not going away. Do I believe Black Lives Matter? Absolutely Black Lives Matter. Do I believe Black Lives Matter, the organization, cares about all Black lives? No. Do I believe that They're starting out on the right foot. No violence, rioting, looting, all of the destruction that we've seen is not starting on the right foot at all. And I have a lot of empathy for people who fundamentally believe that Black Lives Matter, who fundamentally believe what people are trying to say when you have respectful, thoughtful conversations about this stuff and not just screaming at people and saying defund the police and saying just, just all the craziness. So the only way to make Black Lives truly matter and to truly empower Black Americans in a way that Black Lives Matter, the organization, has not done at all is to start talking about these real things, these Things like family structures, things like specific policy goals for issues in policing, things like entrepreneurship and building. Black Lives Matter is deeply problematic, but it doesn't always have to be. Find and rate us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us so you can get Rob Smith's Problematic delivered directly to your phone the second it drops every week. Thanks so much to all of our sponsors. Please support them so we can continue to bring the show to you for free. Please visit my show page at problematic.com. and please tell your friends about the show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so everyone can learn what the show is about. And I also want to thank uh, my producer, Stephen Calabria, and our researcher, Aaron Kliegman, and also executive producers, Debbie and Newt, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. part of the Gingers 360 Network.